Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron, and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. We're busted. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. Well, I guess we have closure now. Isn't that what they could have named this episode? Clone yeah, Wars right. Closure. I'm writing that one down. Anyway, great to have you back with us here on Rebel Force Radio's Rebels Declassified as we take a look. At each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels. This week's episode being no exception, The Last Battle. And uh, we'll break it all down with you here with uh, a great panel and a little voice from the past. But we hope will be very much part of our future. We'll get all to that here in just a moment. But first, uh, let me introduce... My good friend and yours from Chicago. By the way, Jim, we are now officially arch enemies as we record this. Uh, our uh, our respective home teams, although at least I can say my respective home team. And, well, maybe you need to explain. Some would think your respective home teams are locked in battle right now in game one of the World Series. Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars Clone Wars fans. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, they're not the only ones going retro, right? Right. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah, of course, you're referring to the uh, 2016 Major League Baseball World Series. Uh, the uh, Chicago Cubs are uh, locked in heated battle with the Cleveland Indians, the Tribe, and um, yeah, you know, we, it, most people think that you and me would be at each other's throats, but uh, there are two things happening here that prevent that. Number one, I don't think Jason Swank's watched an inning of baseball in his life before not this vol- week. Not voluntarily. <laughs> before this week. And number two, uh, I'm, a, I'm a supporter of the Chicago White Sox, Chicago's Southside team. We already won a World Series in 2005. So uh, there's, I, 
I'm not suffering from any championship drought. Uh, well, maybe I would like to go back. That has been 11 years, but mm. nothing compared to the 108 years uh, my North Side buddies have been suffering through with the Chicago Cubs. But that doesn't really matter to me. I actually have pretty much uh, next to zero interest in the Chicago Cubs. And so uh, there is no uh, there is no me versus Swank going on here or anything. Uh, I love your answer. I, I asked you, I said uh, we were, you said, uh, I asked you last week how you thought about it, where you thought about it, and you said that uh, your two favorite baseball teams were the White Sox and anyone playing the Cubs. Yeah, Which, <laughs> that's a, that's actually a lyric from a song called "The South Side Irish." Ah. Favorite baseball teams are the Chicago White Sox and whoever plays the Cubs. So you know we we sing that song at the top of our lungs on St. Patrick's Day, and uh, you know that that's a, a culture thing here in Chicago where uh, it's North Side versus South Side, and you choose your allegiance. And very rarely do you uh, find yourself drifting over to the other side of town to root for their team. Uh, that's just a matter of fact here in Chicago. But with that being said. Best of luck to both teams in the World Series this year. I hope mm-hmm. one of you win. And <laughs> because with the way the droughts go, we may end up in a tie. So uh, Wait, well, who right. knows? Yeah, both teams. Neither one deserves to win, right? The, the end, well, yeah. no, no. Actually, both teams deserve to win, and uh, I, I hope the best team prevails. But we're not here to talk no. about sports. We're here to talk about the wars. And the Clone Wars are back, apparently. And uh, we are welcoming them with open arms here in this great new episode of Star Wars Rebels, The Last Battle. We sure are. And we also have uh, on the panel a regular voice here on Rebels of Classified, Mr. Spencer Brinkerhoff III. Sir, back from vacation, tanned, rested, ready. Oh, yeah. I don't know how tan you are camping. I mean... Well, vacationing with the with the family is uh, it, it's work, and so sometimes it's <laughs> nice to take a vacation from the vacation. So it's good to be back. Oh, great to have you back! And uh, last but not least, like I said, a familiar voice uh, to many of you who've been following uh, Jimmy Mack and myself and our podcast adventures over the years. Uh, a, a good friend of ours, and it's so nice to hear him here back with us, uh, Mr. Jovial J. Shepherd from RebelsCome.com and TheForce.net. Jay. Felicitations, fellow Force fanatics. See, we thought we'd go retro on this. You see, isn't that how it used to be? How it used to be? Um, well, let's let's get let's dive right in. Um, well, I, you know what? Let's oh, make it official that we have what? now that we have Jay back. I mean, let's let's have a uh, Captain Typho bring him in, Jay Lagaya, in a, a little piece of retro audio. We are we are really winding the clock. Uh, yeah, arms we got back. the big let's intro. Do it. Okay, let's do it. Here it is. Jovial J. Shepard! Yeah, and the crowd goes wild. There, and they went wild. there. <laughs> yeah. That goes, wait, then, that goes all the way back to when? Celebration 4? 2004. 2004. 7? 2007, I guess. 2007. L.A. Yeah. L.A. And that's when uh, Jovial J. took the stage to sing his, uh, his parody song of Barry Manilow's uh, O'Mandy. O'Mandy! <laughs> <laughs> Well, you turned and you fell to the dark side. Uh-huh. I heard you married Padme, oh, Annie. Well, I left you for dead because you're deep fried. I couldn't save you today, oh, Annie. Now, you know, we uh-huh. didn't hear the big note, but uh, Jay hits this is amazing <laughs> note at the end. What is that, like an A flat there at the end, Jay? That's, uh... Oh, yeah, A flat, B sharp, something yeah. like that. 
<laughs> and what's what's the most amazing thing about that performance is that they let him into Star Wars Celebration in following years. Can so, uh, no. good job, Jay. You really knocked him dead. Well, you know, because they disconnect my face from my voice, so I think that's the whole. They had no idea that that was you because you were in Jedi incognito. Yeah. Yeah. You were in robes. Well, it's great to have you all back here. Let's uh, give the tail of the tape here. We are talking about Star Wars rubbers, rubbers. (laughs) I heard Lucasfilm. I heard Lucasfilm banned that merch. Um, Star Wars. (laughs) They've got everything else. Yeah, what? All right, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, well, I am here. I am here with uh, with a few, you know what? So no, uh, Star Wars Rebels season three, um, episode six, as we're counting it. Original air date for this episode: October twenty second, two thousand sixteen. Directed by Bosco Ng. Love that name. That's the best. And uh, written by Brent Friedman. Now, yes. So the last battle. So here we have it, guys. Uh, some closure. On the Clone Wars, and I just wanted to uh, tell you, I, I was a little bit disappointed with Rebels Recon this week because there was no Dave Filoni on this, and I really thought that we would get uh, a little bit more uh, from Dave about how this might have been not just closure for Rex and 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 uh, and the battle droids and, and Kalani, but closure for Dave, um, who you know obviously led his animation team through. Uh, six seasons of the Clone Wars, and uh, but there were there was really nothing um, outside of some comments from D Baker. I don't know if you guys caught Rebels Recon, but there was really nothing uh, kind of overtly um, sentimental or I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that there really wasn't much more made out of all the great little references and how much this was a. A continuation of the Clone Wars. This almost felt, Jay, to me, like um, when you're watching um, kind of a, I don't know how to describe it, like, uh, I don't know, a, a um, like when you're like watching a reunion a, special, a reunion special. That's exactly what I was thinking. It was kind of like <laughs> a reunion. Everybody looks a little different, but kind of the same. Uh, is, is that how you took it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it had. It definitely had the Clone Wars feel because there was uh, there were a number of musical cues in it that were uh, that just brought me right back. And, um, you know, Rebels has not I enjoy the show. I watch the show. Um, My kids are older. I got one in college now, so we're not really sitting around watching these shows anymore. So Mm. it doesn't really have the same um, meaning for me. But this episode did It, it, it. It felt like there was something else there, though. I I might have to say that while they seemed like they were trying to get closure, I feel like they want to do more with the Clone Wars still. I mean, this was closure on this parti- for this particular group of battle droids and, and maybe for Rex, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a lot more that the Do you think there the were more doors open? Do you think there were more doors opened here than closed? Um, no, not necessarily, but I just... I don't know. I... The, the closure didn't feel like absolute to me. You know how sometimes on those shows where they, you know, I mean, because it's, you know, we're going to see Rex still. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, mean, right. I don't know that for sure, before. but yeah, it yeah. seems like that. Yeah. And, and he's been here yeah. uh, off and on. It just feels like there's more that they want to say. And it wasn't as final as they, they made things. Not like, not even though the last time we saw Ahsoka, you know, that was that really final. Right, you know, right. They do. You're right, Jay. They do have a history of 
of not being definitive uh, in terms of of endings. Uh, Jim, I want to ask you, um, how did you take it? And in particular, would they have gone through you know the expense to create a, a, a battle droid model and go through all this if if this was maybe the last we were seeing of them or let's say Kalani? Well, I you know I really can't say much about the production process as far as that goes, but to build on what Jay was saying. Um, something that I consider if we're just, you know, talking about, you know, there's no real slamming the door shut. Um, what I think about when you jump to the end of this episode, um, we are talking about closure. So let's just jump right to the end of the episode. Yeah, everybody's um, seen it, right? Everybody's seen fact, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah the, I saw the, it. The okay. fact that Kalani comes to terms with this agreement that he makes, this, mm-hmm. this treaty, essentially, that he makes, or, or just... The logic behind the resolution worked for Kalani in such a way that they, they, they separated company with, with an agreement. What are the implications of that agreement? Mm. Can Kalani be watching the, what is growing into the galactic civil war, the rebels against the tyrannical empire? Will Kalani be watching this from the sidelines? And could there actually be a point in time where Kalani decides to pick a side and take what's left of his clone army, or I mean his his droid army, excuse me, he takes what's left of his droid army and he picks a side. What if he hooks up with the rebellion? Could you imagine an army of battle droids or what's left of an army of battle droids <laughs> fighting on behalf of the rebellion against the empire. Well, I don't know how valuable they would be. <laughs> they, <laughs> they really went out of their way in this episode. Um, and I, I, I want to get back to your point, uh, but they, they really went out of their way to kind of show the, uh, the incompetence and, and the, the poor marksmanship. And well, they and, said they had poor marksmanship. Oh my God. And there was a whole bit made out of it, but, but but I like what you're saying, Jim, about you know what can we think about in terms of Kalani's future. They did ask a Henry Gilroy on or Rebels Recon about this, and he kind of speculated. Well, you know, if I were to look in my crystal ball and see in the future, I might see Kalani. You know, would he hook up with the Rebellion or or what have you? You know, possibly. But um, this this um, agreement that Jimmy mentioned, Spencer, this this common ground. I I do have to say that I struggled a little bit with this. Uh, credit that they were giving to Ezra to end the Clone War. I mean, let's not... I mean, geez, could we simplify this anymore? I mean, the Clone War was this incredibly complex and um, orchestrated, uh, strategized, you know, mammoth uh, series of battles and skirmishes uh, that that raged on throughout the the, the galaxy for years and, and and Ezra ends this by finding common ground between clones and droids like was that what the clone war was about just a misunderstanding between clones exactly. and droids right. <laughs> you know i'm glad that you turned to me for the question about sort of like the uh, the 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 negative side of things here it's like oh this didn't quite make sense to me because there were quite a few things in this episode that didn't quite make sense. Well, you're always such a nice like guy, pedophile. Spencer. I need you to be the bad guy here, okay? <laughs> yeah, for once. But yeah, so <laughs> the, the oversimplification of the Clone Wars as a whole. I mean, Ezra's able to point it all out, and it sort of lays it all out that you go, wait a second, we now understand that there's this big scheming plot here, and we should all be on the same side. And at the end, why don't we just say, 
why can't we all just be friends, right? It's exactly what they came to. So I don't know. It felt a little bit light, you know, the, the whole story did. And and I wanted to bring up, in, in regards to this, I wanted to bring up another point is that what's going on here? Why was Kalani and his droids stuck on the planet when they had those shuttles, you know? And, and he's this mastermind. And he's got this big plan that he, the way that he wants to end the Clone Wars, and he's been sitting there for fourteen years, waiting well, for somebody you to know, crash. Were, but they've got shuttles. Well, that's true. I mean, this is not like you know pockets of uh, of East Asian uh, soldiers still hiding out in the jungle thirty years after World War II ended, right? I mean, we those stories. I I, I think some of those were actually validated, but. The, that like even into the sixties and seventies, I think they were still finding um, pockets of, of 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 soldiers, but they didn't have you know shuttles, right? Right. Waiting so this for is them, so. this is Thrawn. Thrawn escaped the Clone Wars. He's out in the outer rim. No, I mean it's Snoke. Sorry. So this is Snoke. He's escaped. You know the whole ending of the Empire. He goes out. He builds up his army because he's this mastermind, and he comes back to like see it all done. So, you know, if Kalani was really this super brilliant droid, then he would have been a lot more active than just sort of sitting around waiting to complete his set. Uh, his, I've got a complete set. I've got a Jedi. I've got an apprentice. And I've got a clone. Collect Let's them all. War game. <laughs> Collect them all. I, yeah, I, th- I think for me and I, I, I boy, I don't want this to be, uh, uh, you know, all negative because there was so much to like about this episode. But I think that right. was the disappointing part of this for me was that it just had all of the, the assets ready to make something, I think, quite poignant. And it fell a little flat for me. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I don't I, know. I, I mean, that, go ahead. I go ahead. That's. That's it more than anything else is that it felt a little bit flat. You know, it almost felt like the show that the softball that comes in before the break, you know, and Mm. and we're like, okay, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. But there really were a lot of things about this that I enjoyed quite a bit. I enjoyed hearing Matthew Wood come back. I enjoyed, you know, Ezra saying, who's Roger, you know, all of those sort of of throwbacks. And even, even when the droids are like, they've captured them all in the ray shielding. I love seeing the ray shielding again. And they're like, Hey, Hey, we haven't captured anyone for years. And then another droid (laughs) says, didn't they say we never did or something? (laughs) We've never captured anyone, you know? And so, there really were a lot of great things about this show, but I didn't I didn't feel like it had the gravity that they um, that they made it like out to be. And the fact that Ezra ended the Clone Wars, well, he was able to sort of like tie things up for these two parties, you know, not necessarily ending the Clone Wars. And I really did enjoy the the way that Ezra said, listen, you guys, you guys are on the same side. You guys were both played the whole time i mean that could have been a lot more dramatic in that area yeah well, what i thought bothers, was yeah, yeah real quick though the, the thing that bothers me and then uh, we'll let jay talk because jay hasn't said anything yet but um the thing that really bothers me the most is the fact that ezra stops rex from blasting the tactical battle droid in order to have this kind of powwow about the whole history of the rise of the empire and the fall of the Republic and all of that. He decides that that's an appropriate time to do it and hash it out with that droid. That droid, 
obviously posed a threat to them. He, you know, so I just don't understand outside of just, you know, for sake of pure exposition. And because, of course, this is a kid's show and every once in a while it will remind us of that. Yes. But yes. for them to have it all get tied up like that and so nice and tidy and everything and, and Ezra stopping Rex so they can get to the bottom of this philosophical uh, argument that essentially Ezra is having with himself right then and there, it just doesn't add up. And it, rem- it, it removes a lot of the, the seriousness of what their situation was and turns it into more of like a, a you know, Saturday morning cartoon. And, um, and that's, you know, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. What? Yeah. Yes. But, and that's kind of the nature of the beast, but let's see where this goes. Maybe this puts Ezra on some sort of sleuth mission where he's going to dig deep and maybe he'll be somebody who can uncover a lot of what Palpatine's been doing behind the scenes. You know, Jim, when you said Saturday morning cartoon, you know that, and, and, and I, and I think we all know, I mean, probably all of us here would still get up every Saturday in our footy pajamas and watch Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> it's not an insult, but it's funny that you mentioned that because as I was watching this episode and I watched it a couple of times, it felt like sort of Star Wars Super Friends a little bit. Like like it just mm. you kind of wanted even that last season of Super Friends when it was superpowers and they still and they looked more yeah. like comic book versions of themselves and you're like, Oh, I wish this would get a little more intense because it uh, but um, they had Firestorm then, so but it, you know <laughs> it did. Um well, yeah, it, Jay, it was Jay, a little ahead, watered please, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was a little watered down from the intensity that we had ended up getting by the final season of the uh, of the clone wars and 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 i agree with that but what i thought was kind of interesting um is that ezra like uh, jimmy said he kind of inserts himself between rex and kalani as the two sides and you know whatever he solves this but he he is the he's the middle i can't remember if he actually says or somebody points out that he was the middle ground but he he was the middle ground in this which i found interesting in the overall arc at the beginning of the season here in the fact that when um uh oh crud the the big creature that showed up and talked to uh kane in the other episode the bendu the bendu the bendu right he talks about how there's the jedi and the sith and he is what's in the middle so he so we've had this element Mm. um Mm. already on the season right we've got Mm -hmm. the philosophical sides of the force and then the bendu is the pivot point so, like Jimmy said, maybe there is being a setup here because you've got the two philosophical sides of the Clone Wars, which also, as there pointed out, are really the same side because the other side is is the Empire. But now Ezra has inserted himself and he's become the focal point, the the, the middle, the hub that everything can uh, rely or spin on. And you know, maybe there will be some something that comes from that. Well, what, what I well, thought was he- what, what I thought was. Um telling here was that they made it they made it sound as though there what in jay used the term you know this philosophical difference between uh, the clones and the droids now <clears throat> i buy that when we when we broaden it we look at the separatists versus the republic and you get a little yeah. bit of that you know um i think it's it's uh, kalani that, that sort of gives us a sense of you know what they were fighting for and um but at the same time this wasn't really like um, you know, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, issue of discrimination or different races. There wasn't that kind of thing. You know, it wasn't like um, it, it, it wasn't about, you know, droids versus clones in a, in a philosophical sense. They were the tools, the instruments. Well, and they were the same tools. 
as we've discussed it, you know, during the Clone Wars, they were well, both, right. you know, created for this purpose. So they are more alike than they are different. That is true. Right. That is true. Right. But I didn't feel and that they really brought that that aspect no. of it out. No, they but that's short one there. of the things. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really loved about it. When when we saw the first clips of what this show was going to be about, and we saw Rex sort of like paralleled with Kalani, and then we learned that in the same way that Rex removed his chip so that he could resist Order 66, Kalani suspected that the shutdown order was a, some sort of like um, a farce. It was a plan, and that he overrode that command so that he could continue with his army. So in that way, both of these mm. leaders of their troops were able to resist you know, their orders and continued with their own Clone Wars. That element, I really, really, really liked a lot. I liked the fact that they were parallels, uh, uh, they were mirrors of one another. That's one true. Other things- I was just going to say, Spencer, what's ironic about that is even though they both showed a, a strong independent streak, that independence just led them to carry on the war. Oh, yeah. Because it's part of their programming. Right, but yet they're the models of independence on both their sides. Yeah, so it's yeah, really, yeah uh, but it's still, it's still in them. Now, here's, here's yeah, Rex was having question. that flashback. Exactly. So he, well, right from the beginning, he was f- having flashbacks, and he was calling Kanan commander and, and general... Uh, Canaan, you know, he just yeah. was bubbling. Now, here's a, here's a question that I've got for you guys that I was thinking about. Um, I I'm listening to the new Ahsoka book, um, and I'm not all the way through it yet. But there's part of it that I've that I've gotten through that talks about Rex. Have you guys talked about this? Are we no, are we going no, to talk I, about this at all? Yeah, let's go, go for, ahead it. for it. Yeah, go um, for it. Are, okay. are we, are, is everyone cool with us going with spoilers here? Uh, if well, that's the case, then well, I would just like to warn our listing audience because most people haven't read them. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, well, a, it's let, a, let's, let's do the light. here. Let's just spoiler make alert. it official. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Don't say we didn't warn you. Right. Go so, um, what was really cool is that um, Jimmy, you said that no, Jason, you said that you wanted to have more Dave Filoni come in and talk about this closure and this piece. And at Star Wars Celebration, he was on the panel and he told this story about where they were going to go with the Clone Wars in the final season. And part of that was the battle, the Siege of Mandalore. Maul is in charge. The Jedi come in. Anakin and um, Obi-Wan get called back to help, like, free the Chancellor. And, and Ahsoka comes in to help finish that battle. Mm-hmm. And in that battle, she faces Maul. And that that is exists in the book during the Siege of Mandalore. Well, one of the things that happens is that she she and Rex fake their deaths and they have a grave that is uh, with her lightsabers are buried. And I think it's there on Mandalore so that there's evidence that they are gone and dead. But one of the things that she brings up in this book is she says, um, what was it like for the clones after after they or, they they got that order and they killed the jedi what were they feeling you know D- cuz did they realize it was a mistake 
could they, were they just taken over in that moment? And then you look at that, and you and then you come back to what Ezra said, and he said the Jedi were killed, the clones were decommissioned, and the droids were all shut down. All three parties involved in the Clone Wars were cast aside, mm-hmm. and it's time for those three to to come back together. So. I thought about that, and I thought that that was an interesting sort of a tie-in with this story that I thought was really interesting. That's to, great. To kind of like add that's, some depth to it. That's great. It also, um, thank you for sharing that because uh, it it certainly makes me probably more apt to to listen to the book myself. Um, but I also find it interesting that Vader would have, or Anakin would have believed Ahsoka to have been dead. So when we see uh, Vader flying in the ship. Um, and in the and rebels and saying the Padawan lives. Now we know what he means right. by that. I mean, I guess we always right. assume that what have you, but 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 knowing that there was a, well, a, she, a fake death. Yeah, in the book, she can't sense and like she believes Anakin to be dead as well because she can't sense him. So for whatever reason, and and I'm only about halfway through the book, so I don't know how much more they go into this, but mm-hmm. the, you know there is. A connection that is severed from them, and it and it kind of, as Spencer talks about this one part, uh, it kind of ping pongs forward and back in the timeline uh, between the siege of Mandalore and kind of her time uh, immediately post uh, Clone Wars as well. Yeah, um, that's 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 very cool stuff. We definitely need to, uh, and maybe we'll cover this, you know, th- that book in more depth uh, here on Rebel Force Radio. Uh, so stay tuned for that because it does sound like it has some uh, significant ramifications for uh, what we've seen and, and, and perhaps what's yet to come. Uh, Jim, you know, this isn't the first time that we have seen on Rebels uh, clones or even Rex, for that matter, really sort of facing the demons of, uh, you know, what we might consider the Star Wars equivalent of PTSD, you know, right. something like that. Um, uh, you know, certainly don't mean to minimize the real world aspect of that here. But I think that's kind of what they're 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 hinting at. Um, when we first met Gregor and Wolf and Rex in Rebels, you know they didn't really pull any punches. I mean, there was you know a Gregor was clearly off of his rocker, and and um, Wolf was uh, I think it was Wolf that that, that ended up um, ratting out the Jedi or ratting out Kanan and to the mm. to the Empire. And there was communication. We learned that there was actually cooperation and a level of communication between former clones and and the empire almost like they sort of gave them their i i I don't know it was like their va or 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 something like that um did this episode for you kind of live up to what the 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 precedent that we saw for all of these issues when we first met rex wolf and gregor and rebels oh oh when we first met them yes okay in rebels yeah um specifically what is driving these clones to go so against their, quote, programming. Mm-hmm. And I think it's simply the, the extraction of that chip that was in their brain that was, uh, that was forcing that, that, that level of super soldier uh, discipline onto them. Because, I mean, look at, look at the uh, examples, all three guys you brought up. Uh, one ha- uh, has a serious lack of loyalty to his fellow brothers, which you would never see a soldier in the clone army do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other was acting nuts. <laughs> Nuff said yeah. right there. Yeah. I no mean, discipline. He was, he was tweaking. And then Rex, who's <laughs> having, you know, Rex who occasionally is having these episodes that, uh, like you said, Jason, would resemble 
uh, war anxiety or um, PTSD. And so what would be making a, a super soldier like Captain Rex have these these moments? Uh, quite simply, he, he moved the programming. So they're all kind of suffering with this this mental change that has been self-inflicted. But um, I, I think that a prime cause of their behaviors is definitely because of the removal of that chip. Oh. And who knows what kind of barbaric surgical methods they use to remove those chips. That's an interesting Jim, thought. do you think it's more of a withdrawal of the uh, just the war? Because we had talked about that they were bred for that. I mean, granted, I think the chip might have something to do with it, but what about like withdrawal of the just the adrenaline level f- that they were having to deal with during the war? What do you think that element yeah, well, has to do with it? What story? happens to well, a thoroughbred that doesn't race anymore? Yeah, but true, but you're talking about something in its prime, and we know that clones age in double time. Uh, so Rex is, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty old man at this point in time, I guess. Uh, you'd have to consider... God, I hate to do the math on how old Rex is, really, <laughs> in, in clone years, you know. But, um, but nah, he's got to be about well, 60 or so. So, I mean, maybe that, you know, that, that's not that old, but also he's not uh, some, you know, young buck. And uh, he doesn't have that adrenaline naturally f- flowing through him. It's, it's almost like what was the way that clones went into retirement. We, we really don't even know. All we've heard yeah. is that the clone army was decommissioned. Well, in, you know, in imperial terms, that could have meant they just dropped them into, uh, you know, in the Mustafar and just let them fry up. <laughs> But I, you know, the, but I, I don't, I, I, I need to go back and watch, you know, uh, Rex, his debut on Rebels. But there was, um, there was a, a, a sense that I got from that and I came away from it thinking that there was some level of connection between old clones. Like, they were kind of looked at as pathetic and, you know, uh, old relics, uh, you know, from the Imperial perspective. But there, you know, there clearly had to be some level of of loyalty left in order for Wolf to do what he did. And, again, we could right. go back and refresh our memories. But I think there was some sort of um, connection there. But... You know, uh, Jay, what do we learn from this episode, Uh, even with the nice little tie-up at the end, about what both sides knew at the time and what they know now about the Clone War? I mean, the real... Because I I walked away from this episode thinking that they they still don't really get it. Well, no, I mean, and no one really gets it though it it kind of sounds like Ezra you know seems like he might have some grand idea that he can figure something out but i mean i i feel that they they know a little bit more of the truth um or at least the truth that'll make it easy for them to move on with their lives um i mean not that rex hasn't moved on to some degree but they're still um, you know, like you were just talking about, he's still having these flashbacks and stuff like this. Uh, Kalani and his group, I mean, he was pretty much frozen in time. It, there, you know, he was just, I can't imagine, you know, how that would be for a droid just to be sitting there, you know, 24 cycles, just running through all these, all this programming. And so, you know, he was kind of freed from that aspect of it because he had the, um, 
you know, what do they call it? When, you know, when you get clarity on something and you can finally just let it go, like acceptance and clarity. Catharsis. Move on. Catharsis <laughs> is the yeah. word you're looking for. So, um, yeah, but again, I don't think anyone really, you know, can at, and in the in, in universe at this point understand what the Clone War was truly about because that would ruin all the stories that have come after, um, you know, and if they mm. did realize it, they would have to be killed, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, it was, it was, uh, I wanted them to maybe connect the dots a little bit more, but um, they, they, they definitely stopped short of any reference to Palpatine. It seems like Palpatine, I mean, have we even heard his name in Rebels yet? Hmm. I think no. I mean, I, he just gets referred to as the Emperor. I don't even know that they yeah, call him the. Well, they do. I think Vader maybe has referred to him, and maybe a couple of the Imperials. Um, but but then again, do they? Because I mean, the, the the top Vader's the top of the food chain. Even going back to season one with the Inquisitor, and you know the the sort of the remastered version of that episode one, uh, season one premiere that had Vader at the top of the episode dispatching the, uh, the Inquisitor and his mission. I don't remember her, him talking about the Emperor. No, uh, but we did have a scene of him talking to the Emperor, and that happened right. at the that's end of season right. one. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. That's right, because Sam came in and did the, the voice. Okay, all right. Well, that shoots that theory. But we certainly, the, the Emperor <laughs> does not loom large in this series at all. Right, um, right. No, mostly Vader, uh, like yeah. you said. He's set up to you know, be what, the ultimate bad guy. But. You, you talked a little bit about connecting dots. And, and uh, one of the other sort of little research uh, rabbit holes that I went down that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we've, we've got a point here at the very beginning where they find the old battle droid. And, and they're referred to as clankers. And Zeb's like, oh, I like that. Yeah. He says, how many of these things did you take out? And he says, must have been thousands. And uh, I saw that there was, uh, I'm sorry I don't give proper credit, but I'm pretty sure someone on the uh, Rebel Force Radio Facebook page had said, well, why does Rex have, you know, those tick marks on his helmet then? And, I have that uh, note right here, Spencer. Do you have that note? Do you mm. want to comment on it real quick? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, because he says he doesn't keep track of his kills. But like, yeah, like you said, he's got all these hash marks on his helmet. And I was thinking that seems a little odd. And then I was thinking maybe he just he doesn't dwell on it anymore is the only kind of solution I could come up with. So we know that those right, are definitely some... those are definitely indicators of his kills, not necessarily particular battles or you know some other measurement. No, it, well, and and that's the thing is he had so many kills they couldn't be indicators of the kills. I think that they are successful battles or um, like uh, he said. Let me tell you about Geonosis. So that would have definitely been a tick. But mm-hmm. something else that happened in the episode that connected. Or hey, maybe uh, Rex was really, hot, really good with the ladies. There could be something else there, you know? <laughs> no, I got an idea. I want to hear what Spencer has <laughs> to right. say, but I, I got an idea here. So in addition to, you know, the, the helmet, and we talked about um, how he's really rooted in his programming. Well, Rex gets shot in this episode and he goes down. But when Kanan helps him back up, he says, are you okay? And he says, yep, Jen. Generation 1 armor always holds up. Well, in reality, Rex's helmet is a Generation 1 helmet. 
And the blue lines that are on either side of his cheek are where he welded the episode two, like breather part onto the, uh, onto the episode one. I said that wrong. The phase one versus phase two armor. So he has phase one generation one armor. He welded the, uh, the, respirator from the phase two armor onto his phase one so he was set in his ways he was keeping that old armor he was staying with his programming even to the point where he was keeping that old helmet and then we also see that as he's make marking it up and he's adding these uh his own sort of pieces to it he's he's also added the jag eyes no those things are you know originally joe johnson drew those in some of the boba fett sketches but the Mandalorians would put those as a mark of honor awarded for certain acts of bravery so that he has those on his helmet, right? Um, signifies something brave that he did, but it also changes the way that now Kanan is connected to Rex because he's implementing the same Jag eyes as his sort of like acts of bravery as one, some of the little rabbit hole connections that I made. So Rex truly is a member of the 501st. He's during the weekends. He's in the garage working on his exactly. armor. He's <laughs> <laughs> so as you're talking, Spencer, I'm thinking about those hash marks and, and you're right. Maybe they weren't actually a number of kills because there, there were so few. I mean, they'd have to, each one would have to count for dozens or hundreds of kills. But now that I'm thinking about it and Rex's connection, having outlived the clone wars, those are the brothers that he lost. Mm. Oh. So one of one tick mark for each clone brother that was struck down uh, during the during the battles. So Wow, that's that, interesting. You know, I like okay. Both yeah. both are very, very uh, reasonable theories, I think. Uh, there was one thing that the um, <laughs> the episode guide at StarWars.com admitted to is that there was a, a plot point it was abandoned that had Ezra befriending a battle droid that he affectionately nicknamed Clanky. Oh. <laughs> and oh. now hold on. I, cause I, I had the same reaction, Jimmy. But at the same time, I thought about it. I'm like, actually, if this is, if this is to give us you know, some of those Clone Wars feels mm-hmm. that gave us r 2 and Annie, uh, not Annie, but, you know, R2E well, and, and, you know, uh, what, what was the other one? Um, Snips and all of that. Sky Guy. Uh, right. Why wouldn't that be appropriate? I actually think that that well, probably you know, was done for that reason, actually, in an ironic Goldie. kind of way. Goldie. You, know, you, know, you know why they abandoned it? This is why they really abandoned it, because there's another TV show called Star Wars Lego The Freemaker Adventures. Uh-oh. And that, right. that show, they've completed their first season. Basically, um, they live in and around the Star Wars current universe, and they go to these battle places, and they collect up the old Legos, and they remake them into new ships. They're like scavengers. And the kid that's in that show has a Roger Roger battle droid. And so he has his own little pet battle droid. Is so his they name, already is his name Roger? His name is Roger. It's oh. Matthew Woods. Oh, all right. Well, but it's not named Clanky. No, it's not Clanky, but I mean, there Same already idea. is a, a cute little Star Wars kid with force powers that um, has <laughs> a pet battle droid. Well, see, see, I, I was thinking then, you know, again, why it reminded me of Super Friends. Like you get all of a sudden you got Batmite. There's the a show. character in the there's a character in the books. 
It's a battle droid named Mr. Bones that hangs out with the young Greg Grunberg in the Aftermath series. So the, the concept of a pet battle droid is uh, starting to, to wear a little thin, I think. I'm glad they didn't bring it into Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> I am too. Well, I mean, but a couple of things that I, I loved. I, um, and, and one thing, I actually just got the, 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 the coolest feeling hearing the, uh, the Clone Wars theme, the, the March of the Battle Droids, uh, as, the, as the closing. Um, and, and the yellow logo, you know, the pure yellow logo, of Star Wars Rebels right, at the right. end. Yep. I just, and that's, again, why I really wanted to hear, you know, somebody from, like Dave talk on uh, Rebels Recon. I'm sure there's lots of reasons why he wasn't on it. Um, but I really wanted to hear more of that kind of, you know, sentimental uh, kind of, you know, this was really a, a way for us to, you know, look back on this, that, or the other thing. And I, I just... It, it, it didn't happen, but yeah, um, I would have liked to. At least Gilroy was representing. Yeah, but yeah, right. but it, I, I just don't remember. I don't think the conversation really was. It was really more about this current episode, not so much, you know, sort of the nostalgia trip. Oh, there was. was there was a little talk from Gilroy about that, where he talked about developing the Clone Wars with Dave and George, and mm. thinking back to the you know the first season and everything. And during Rebels Recon, they did show some clips from the first season of us uh, the first episode of star wars rebels ambush following the the, well, the film release you now, know we, we sort of talked about it at the beginning but uh, we'll just kind of get your thoughts where, where do they go from here as far as uh you know this particular plot point is this um spencer i don't think you weighed in here is this the last that we're probably going to see of the the battle droids and some of the loose ends of the clone wars well i feel like that after Kalani escaped, we got two battle droids that jumped on that shuttle, and then one fell off. So I think <laughs> that Kalani is down. To, yeah, he's down to about an army of one now, and mm-hmm. so I think that we'll probably it'll take a while for us to see him again if we ever see him again. I don't know what his future is, but other elements from this show that are carrying forward that I'm excited about is Kanan told Sabine that we've got a new Phantom. So they're going to use yeah, that shuttle and uh, park it right in the back of the uh, of the the ghost and give it a big dorsal fin. Oh, that, that yeah, that'll that'll brand new toy and a new toy exactly that, that Hasbro won't make. Well, they'll make it in like three or four years. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I I'm, this is obviously preaching to the choir here, but I was really uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't remember Kalani from. The Clone Wars. I, I had no memory. I, of course, remember the Onderon arc, but I did not remember Kalani specifically. And uh, Jim and I were talking before the show, and, and Jim, we were both mentioning that um, it's not so much Kalani that's significant here, but Kalani's connection to Saw Gerrera in those mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, perhaps yeah. that could be maybe the motivating factor in bringing Kalani out. I mean, maybe we'll see a showdown between Kalani and Saw Gerrera, since Kalani is so keen on tying up loose ends <laughs> right. and, and, and finding resolution to battles, maybe there's a loose end he has with Saw. Yeah. And, well, uh, and just the fact that whether or not they get to that or not, the fact that they brought that particular character back with, with Rogue One coming out you know, in a month and a half here, that, to me, was what was more telling to it. Um, other than, But I like that idea. That'd be great if we could see Saw show up in Rebels as a springboard to or from Rogue One there. Yeah. I, so, And that's a question that I'd like to ask you guys, too. Do you think that um, we're going to see some Rogue One stuff in 
Rebels, or are we going to see some Rebel stuff in Rogue One? No, it'll be the other way around. You'll start seeing Rogue One stuff in Rebels in the second half of the season. I don't think we're going to see much spillover from the uh, animated line going into the uh, feature film line. I, I really don't. Saw Guerrera. It's a it's a nice Easter egg, um, but uh, really that character probably resembles the character we know from Clone Wars in name only. Let's face right. it. Yeah, uh, I actually so, got the sense that there may have been a little retroactive continuity there where this was a character that was already written in the story and it was like, you know, you could mm. make this connection. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not trying to downplay it here, but I don't think there was an effort to say, you know what we want to do with this movie before we write it is we want <laughs> to bring back, you know, a character from the Clone Wars. I mean, it was it's definitely a nice reference. I agree with you, Jim. I think it's going to be a little more than an Easter egg in terms of how much that factors into the development of that character. Um, but uh, I mean, definitely um, there is there is something cool about just that from a you know continuity standpoint that as you're watching him on the big screen some of us will be sitting here saying thinking oh that's the guy from you know right so So. it's kind of like we're going to see the marvel tv characters interact with some of the effects of the cinematic marvel universe but you're we're not going to see any of the you know the agents of shield sort of pop. that's a great analogy uh spencer that's a great analogy okay All right, that's going to wrap up things in our look at The Last Battle, or as a millennial might say, The Last Battle? Just kidding, (laughs) just kidding. Because the question is, is this really The Last Battle? We'll find out as the show continues to unfold. So big thanks to our panel, of course, Spencer Brinkerhoff. Great having you as always, Spencer. Thank you. The website. Give it a plug. Oh, yeah. You can see me at... Uh, actually, my new website I'm playing with is called cinemavents.com. I'm uh, I'm putting together sort of like these subscription box things, and we're uh, having private screenings for uh, premiere movies. So we're having some fun here in Mesa, Arizona. Awesome. All right. And the, once again, the site is cinemavents.com. Cinemavents. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Jovial J, I know real secret where people can find you. Of course, rebelscum.com and theforce.net. Anywhere else you would like to plug? Yeah, well, we still got Jedi Journals going over at uh, forcecast.net. And then you can catch me on the uh, Green Justice Scarlet Velocity uh, podcast or the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files podcast at randomchatter.com. Awesome. Check out all of those shows, please. Uh, Jay, great to have you back, man. It was really nice. Thank you for taking the time. Hey, thanks for the invite. It was, yeah, it was great being here. All right. Uh, Jimmy Mack, final thoughts, The Last Battle. All right, Jason. Well, not only do we get The Last Battle, but we get what truly could be the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. I mean, let's face it. This was truly an extension of that great series. And Star Wars Rebels has really cemented its place as being 
a legitimate extension of a Clone Wars. It, it feels like the Clone Wars was never even canceled now at this point. We, we've gotten so much out of this series uh, as far as tying up loose ends, uh, creating new storylines, and uh, developing new mysteries, and all based on uh, the uh, series connection to the Clone Wars. Also returning with the Clone Wars, corny battle droid humor. Wow, that lives on. <laughs> but and also, and then it begs even worse humor when uh, Ezra goes, uh, who's Roger? Oh, I didn't Come think on. that was where I love that. Well, love that. Um, hey, I didn't say it was uh, good or bad. I just said it was corny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just it just wonders. Wow, you know, finally someone asked that question. Um, <laughs> uh, Kalani uh, again to see another return of a, a Clone Wars character, and I wonder if we're going to see Kalani uh, return, and uh, and will Kalani choose a side? I think that's kind of a compelling thing. Just to think of the fact that that battle droid is out there. I don't know how effective he can be, really, but given the proper repairs and maybe uh, some uh, programming updates, uh, you never know. It'd be interesting to see battle droids fight on the side of the rebellion. That's for sure. I don't know how many uh, rebels would actually go for that, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure Rex and uh, his his gang of clones uh, that survived aren't the only ones kind of tweaking out about that war. So uh, interesting, really interesting. Also, really cool to see in this episode you had. Uh, Imperial era stormtroopers fighting battle droids, battle droids being wiped out by adats, things of that nature. Sure, we saw you know Republic Army in the Clone Wars take on battle droids all the time, but something just a little bit different about seeing Imperial era stormtroopers go head to head with those goofy droids. Uh, Ezra, I hope he continues to keep asking those questions about what the eventual meaning of the Clone Wars was all about. And maybe he'll just keep following those breadcrumbs straight to the Emperor himself. How compelling would that be? A showdown between the Emperor and Ezra as his powers continue to grow. Great episode overall. Um, again, you know, uh, sort of tying up the Clone Wars and so satisfying when the Clone Wars music played at the end. It also played underneath the uh, battle sequence, too. Some music from the Clone Wars movie, specifically from the Battle of Christophsis, was playing in this episode. If it wasn't the exact same music, it certainly was derivative of that. So, uh, thumbs up to the production crew. I think uh, you got a lot right with this episode as far as giving us some sort of revolution to the Clone Wars. And for that, we're so happy and feeling so retro, we're going to say, Nuke Gunray, not in this episode. <laughs> All right, everyone. <laughs> great to uh, great to be with you. The website, rebelforceradio.com. Please uh, check us out if you're new to the program. And we'll see you next time here on Rebels Declassified. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you always. Always.